from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. A lot of people that I meet tell me that they wish that they could do more to help people in need, that they could give more charity, have more time to volunteer, or be in a position to do great things on a global scale. But on today's episode, we're going to talk about one of the simplest ways to make a real difference in the world. It's something we can all do and something most of us probably aren't doing enough of. We'll look at the story of Joseph when he was in an Egyptian prison and learn how one simple act led to a series of events that changed his life and ultimately helped millions of people. We all have the ability and the responsibility to bring more of God's light to the world. And on this episode, we're going to discover how. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Vayeshev, which means he settled, and it covers Genesis chapters 37 through 40. In this week's Parsha, we begin the story of Joseph and his brothers. We read about how Jacob favored Joseph and that Joseph's brothers were jealous and suspicious of him. We learn that ultimately the relationship between Joseph and his brothers deteriorated so much that they decided to kill him. They threw him into a pit, but then one brother, Judah, convinced the other brothers to sell Joseph to a band of gypsies instead. As the story continues, we read that Joseph ended up in Egypt and was sold as a slave to an Egyptian nobleman. Things seemed to go well at first, but then Joseph was falsely accused of harassing the wife of his master, and as a result, he ended up in an Egyptian prison. Until this point in the story, it seems that everything in Joseph's life had turned out badly for him. Today, I want to focus on the verses that tell us about the turning point in Joseph's life. Listen as I read to you Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 7. Some time later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? These verses tell us that two of Pharaoh's servants joined Joseph in prison, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. In the previous chapter, Genesis 39, the Bible told us that Joseph earned the trust of the prison's warden, and it was his job to oversee the prisoners every day. 
these two men, the cupbearer and the baker, were put under Joseph's supervision. The verses tell us that one night the cupbearer and the baker both had a disturbing dream and that when Joseph came to check on them the next day, he noticed that they looked down. So he asked them, why do you look so sad today? And as we will see, that one simple question signaled the turning point in Joseph's life. In order to fully appreciate the interaction between Joseph and those two sad prisoners, we need to put it into context. With everything that had happened in Joseph's life, there is no doubt that he had his own share of sorrow. Even if he had faith that everything God did was somehow for the best, we can only imagine how difficult his day-to-day life was in an ancient Egyptian prison. Many people in this situation would have become bitter and closed off from the people around them. Most people would be so consumed by their own troubles that they wouldn't even notice or care about anyone else's problems. But Joseph didn't act that way. He didn't become bitter, and no matter how badly he had been treated by other people, he didn't lose his own humanity. When two people looked distressed and upset, Joseph noticed, and he didn't only notice, he cared. He cared enough to ask them what was wrong and to listen with his whole heart to what was bothering them. We know the rest of the story. Joseph successfully interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, and two years later, when Pharaoh had disturbing dreams of his own, the cupbearer brought Joseph to interpret them. Joseph impressed the Pharaoh so much that he made Joseph the prime minister of Egypt. Years later, when Joseph's family faced a life-threatening famine in the land of Canaan, they were able to take refuge in Egypt where Joseph had prepared plenty of food. Sometimes we go through life so focused on our own problems that we don't notice when someone else is hurting. Or we notice, but we don't take the time to ask how they are doing and to listen what's on their heart. But as Joseph's story teaches us, no matter how challenging our own situation might be, we need to notice the pain of others and to take time to care. We can never underestimate the power of saying to someone, how are you? And sincerely listening to their answer. It can literally transform a person. It's such a simple thing to do, and it can have an enormous impact. My father, Rabbi Chiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, was an extraordinary person who helped many people in his lifetime. As his daughter, I was privileged to see up close how much he really cared for all people. Whenever we came across a homeless person on the street, most people passed right by. But my father always stopped. He would give the person some money, but even more importantly, he would give them his heart. He would stop. He would talk to the person. He would ask them their name and how they were doing. He would ask where they came from, and then he would listen. He would really listen to what was on their hearts. I saw so many homeless people transform after just a few moments of my father's genuine care. Their faces would light up, and I learned how powerful it is to simply ask someone how they are and to care enough to stop 
and really listen to what they have to say. When we pay attention to someone who looks down and ask them how they are doing, it is life-giving. But not only that, it can literally save lives. In Joseph's story, when he asked about the well-being of the cupbearer and the baker, it led to a series of events that saved him from a terrible life in prison. But not only that, years later, the lives of his family were saved when they faced famine and he was in a position to provide food for them. This teaches us that asking about the well-being of another person can lead to saving lives, literally. And there are thousands of stories that illustrate this point. Stories about how checking in on a person going through a hard time saved a life. And unfortunately, stories about tragic consequences when someone feels like no one cares. I want to share an incredible story with you about a man named Kevin Hines, who is the only person to ever survive jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge in California. When Kevin was 19 years old, he decided to end his life, and he boarded a bus to the bridge. But on the way there, he started to have doubts. He sat in the back of the bus crying, and he said to himself, if just one person asks me if I'm okay, I won't go through with it. But sadly, no one asked Kevin if he was all right. A few kids even laughed at him. Once he got off the bus, He was still hoping that someone, anyone, would reach out to him. A few people passed by, and even though Kevin looked visibly shaken, no one, not one person, stopped to talk to him, except for a tourist who asked Kevin to take her picture. Kevin said to himself, that's it. There is absolutely no one who cares. And he leapt off the bridge. But don't worry, the story has a happy ending. The second that Kevin's feet left the bridge, he regretted his decision. He prayed to God the whole way down and he said, Please, God, help me. I want to live. And after he hit the water, breaking his legs and unable to swim, he continued to pray. Miraculously, a sea lion appeared and circled under Kevin. It kept pushing him to the surface until the Coast Guard arrived. And that is how he became the only person who survived. Today, Kevin is a husband and a father, and he dedicates his life to stopping other people from making the same mistake that he did. He lets them know that they are not alone and that there are people who care. Kevin's story is truly a testimony to God's greatness and his ability to save us in the worst circumstances, but it is also a lesson in the power that each one of us has to save someone before they end up in a terrible situation. If just one stranger would have reached out to Kevin and asked him if he was okay, he would not have jumped off that bridge. Maybe if just one person said, hello, and smiled, that would have been enough to show Kevin that someone cared. Sometimes all it takes is a smile to let someone know that you see them, that you acknowledge them, and that you care. I heard another story about a woman who was thinking about taking her life when she was passed by an elderly man who gave her a warm, caring smile 
and for her it was enough to make her believe that everything would be okay. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a smile like that? It's like sunshine. It makes everything seem brighter and lighter. More importantly, can you give someone a smile like that? You never know how great of an impact your smile might have on someone else's life. I once read a quote about the power of a smile. It said, A smile costs nothing but gives much. It enriches those who receive it without making poorer those who give it. It takes but a moment, but the memory of it sometimes lasts forever. The Jewish sages also taught about the power of a simple smile. In the Talmud, a 2,000-year-old compilation of Jewish teachings, it says, Better is the one who shows the white of his teeth to his friend than the one who gives him milk to drink. There was once a rabbi who was explaining this specific teaching to his students. He said to them, Imagine that there was a person who stood outside the doors of our synagogue and poured a glass of milk for every person who passed by him. We would probably think of that person as an exceptionally kind individual, and we would be right, the rabbi continued. But you know what? There is something even greater than handing out glasses of milk or any other treat. It's giving someone a smile. The rabbi connected this teaching to a verse from Genesis 49.12, which says, His teeth are whiter than milk, and explained that sharing our teeth through a smile is even greater than sharing milk. We don't usually think about smiling as a great act of kindness. It may be a simple gesture, but it's a powerful act that lets people know that we care, that they're not alone. And you know what? It can make all the difference in someone's life. The same can be said for greeting the people that we see every day. It's a small act that has a big impact. In the book Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, another 2,000-year-old book of Jewish teachings, it is written, greet each person with a pleasant expression. This means that each person we come into contact with should receive a greeting and a smile. The book also says, be the first to greet someone. This means that we shouldn't wait for another person to say hello to us first. We should always be the one to greet everyone we meet with a smile right away. We live in a world where people get into an elevator together and pretend like there are no other human beings in that tiny space. We look at our phone, our watch, our feet, anything but the person standing next to us. But imagine... How much friendlier the world would be if we all said hello to each other and smiled genuinely every time we saw another person. The rabbi saw this not just as a nice thing to do, but as a spiritual responsibility. When we greet someone, no matter how brief the interaction, we have a moment of connection with another human being. And we could spread a little more of God's light in the world through that interaction. As people of faith, that's what we want to do. We all, all the different faiths, want to just spread God's light in the world. 
I've met people who told me that they wish that they could be more involved in helping orphans and widows, or that they could give more money to help those who are hungry. But you know what? Smiling and expressing our sincere care for every human being is something that all of us can do. And most of us have the opportunity to do this many times a day. You might remember a story that I told in a different episode about a street sweeper in Israel who survived the Holocaust. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes, and if you haven't heard the full story yet, I really recommend that you listen to it. In the story, the street sweeper says that when he was about to give up on life during the worst days of the Holocaust, he decided to try helping other hurting people instead to give them a little bit of hope and comfort. He would go around the concentration camps at night and say to people, why are you crying? Like Joseph, he would say, why do you look so sad? And he would listen as people poured out their hearts and shared their stories. And then they felt a little less alone. The street sweeper said that by focusing on other people and listening to their troubles, it actually helped him to get through his own darkest times. It's not as hard as we might think to bring more light into the world. All it takes is a smile, a simple hello, or sincerely asking, how are you today? In Isaiah 57, 15, we read, For this is what the high and exalted one says. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We are called to be like God and to lift up those who are feeling down and dejected. This week, I want you to focus on the simple ways that you can spread God's light and love. Can you give everyone you come in contact with a warm and caring smile? Can you be the first to say hello when you pass by a neighbor or even someone that you don't know? Can you reach out to someone who might feel down and just ask how they're doing? Can you really listen and offer support and care? If we do these three simple things, We can bring so much light into the world and into our lives that will be brightened too. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.